From the Film Society of Lincoln Center, you're listening to The Close-Up. One of the audience favorites at this year's New York Film Festival was Greta Gerwig's directorial debut, Lady Bird, starring Saoirse Ronan as an artistically inclined young woman trying to define herself in the shadow of her mother, played by Laurie Metcalf. During the festival, Gerwig joined film critic Thelma Adams for one of our NYFF Live Talks, in which she discussed her approach to working with actors, the influence of Chantal Ackerman on her films, and more. Let's go to that now. is the Joan Didion quote that you use at the beginning, which is? Uh, uh, Anyone who talks about the hedonism of California has never spent a Christmas in Sacramento. (laughs) Great. But I think that a lot of people, we're both Californians originally, transplanted to New York, that for a young girl or for a girl, Joan Didion is like, what is the meat, what's the weight of that? Well, uh... And Sacramento, too. Right. I, I mean, uh, I, I, I discovered Joan Didion as a teenager, and she was not only this amazing writer, essayist, novelist, she was also where I was from. And I, and I had never seen an artist turn their eye on my hometown. And I felt like the first time I read her novel... Um, Run River, which I think was her first novel. It took place in, in Sacramento, the Sacramento Delta. And the way she described the women in that book, it was, it was my mother and my grandmother and the people I knew and the people I grew up around. And there was even like a tiny description of, she said one of her, one of the characters' aunts had died and her mother said, well, at least her closet was well organized when she went. <laughs> And I thought, oh, I was like, this is, I know this so deeply. Um, and I was, uh, I, I read everything that she, that she wrote. And I felt like f- from little things to big things, it was like, I could see that, it, I, I think I had an idea prior to reading her that um, all art happened somewhere else. Right. And that you needed to be in Paris. <laughs> to be able to write about about a place. Um, and it was the, f- the first inkling I had of, oh no, this is worthy, even though it's it's yours. Um, and and also she, I mean, her, her wit and her incisive take on, on this place was just, oh gosh, this suddenly just get much louder. Um, Anyway, so she was she was a big she, she was take, a big takes no prisoners. She was a patron saint of my heart. And also, there is that pattern. She left California, yeah. went to New York, yeah. found herself, and you feel that theme. That theme exists. Can you talk about how that theme exists in this movie? Yeah, she has a line. I think it's from um, where I was from. She said, "I got off the plane at LaGuardia in a dress that had." felt very smart in Sacramento. <laughs> and I thought, oh, there's so many quotes I would have used. Um, in a way, I felt like, I, like I, you know, do I even need to make the movie? I can just have no, quote Joan Didion. Um, yeah, no, she, she went to New York and she, she came into her own. And then 
and then coming back to California as a writer and a journalist and then and having that as um, a return and then seeing it with adult eyes is what defined her. And um, certainly it was a big part of why I wanted to come here and, and then why I wanted to make something about the place I was from. So what was the first kernel of this book, of this movie? I'm sorry. <laughs> Um, well, originally when I wrote the screenplay, it was very long. I, have, I was going through my computer. I had a draft from 2013, at the end of 2013, that was about 350 pages long. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> it was, um, there was a lot, there were so many neighbors. So, so many neighbors. <laughs> um, <laughs> I know, I had to cut all the neighbors. <laughs> There's extensive backstories. And, um, uh, but I, I, I the, the working title for the movie was uh, Mothers and Daughters, um, before I came to Lady Bird as being the title and the character and who she was. Um, and because I think that that was the, the, to me it was the core of it. And I felt like with every scene I wanted to, to keep going back to that theme, even if it wasn't literally between a mother and a daughter. I wanted to keep exploring that because I think your relationship, your relationship with your parents is how you first understand love and, and um, being, being in a relationship with someone. And I think as teenagers, they tend to express it through these other you know, friendships and boyfriends and, and their relationship to authority. And um, to me, it was always like, how is this about her, her and her mom? Um, so, and then also wanting to make something about uh, what does home mean and how does it, how does it only come into focus when you're, when you're leaving it? And um, also, I, that year is so potent. So potent. I mean, you know, it's... The last year of high the, school. The last year of high school. And it's, it's a world that's fading as fast as it's happening. And it's incredibly vivid and the emotions are so big. And it's all ending. There's this feeling of, like, it's just, it just moves forward. And when, when we were editing and even in the writing, I wanted it to feel like it was gathering speed as you went forward because it was it was this, it was just escaping um, but I think it's people have described it in some ways as a, a coming of age story but to me uh, you know one person's coming of age is another person's letting go and I'm just as interested in the part that that's the letting go as the growing up you have um, it's been interesting the, the autobiographical nature which is something that every that a lot of writers fight against, mm -hmm. and also when we in movies as a critic for many for decades, I have seen kind of every male coming of age. Right. Not everyone, but you know, you get to a point where you're like, but this is but but this is very much the story of a woman coming of age, and of, as you said, of mother and daughter. Yeah, I mean, well, I think I think there's a lot of. I mean, I, I, I think there's a lot of, usually mo movies about teenage girls, even if it's not, even if it's not um, the, the primary story, it, t it tends to center around one guy. And, and that's, the, that's the love story. And I wanted it, to, I, I said, well, there's not one guy, there are two guys, and they're both wrong, because that's not the love story. The love story is between her and her mother. Um, but I, I, you know, I think it's just, a, it's an incredibly rich and vivid time. And I think um, 
when I was actually looking back at like, well, what, what is boyhood but for a girl? Or what is 400 boys blows but for a girl? What, what are these stories? And not does she date the guy? Like what is personhood right. for young women? And I just felt like there was a dearth of it. You, I've read that you've, you've said that, there, that to, write, to make a movie about a woman where love, her, her love for a man or another woman isn't the central thing is, is somewhat radical. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it tends to be romance is the is the primary thing that women do in movies, and um, and I and it's not that I don't like that, and it's not that I'm not interested in it. It it just it can't be the only story we're telling about what women do. I'm curious, and I'm curious about the the mother. And, and crafting her, and cra I guess, and I guess I can come out and say that I'm a mother, and we were, I, I wept through the entire thing because I took my daughter to Ithaca College last summer. And in the same way, when you have a teenage daughter, you want to push them out of the car. You know, that last year is so, it's so tough, and, and, no, one, and no one has really captured that. Well, um, yeah, I, I, um, my, I was saying to you before, but I, I feel like the, the most gratifying thing for me is when mothers have come up to me and said, that w I know, I know, I, I wanted to kill her, and also I couldn't believe she was going. Um, and I, yeah, I mean, I had such a, incredible actresses and, um, and actors, and I mean, right. the entire Every, cast. Yes, great cast. Um, but Laurie Metcalf is is one of the great treasures. Oh yeah, she's of, fantastic, and um, she's the treasure of this movie. And she's and I and I always wanted someone who had that much power as an actress because I knew that secretly it was her her movie in a lot of ways, and I wanted that can to you, kind of. Can you talk a little bit more? What what does that mean that secretly it was? It, wa it wasn't Lady Bird, it was... It was... Well, because I think... I like movies where um, the, the, something is woven underneath you, where it kind of pulls out in the middle. I think one of the, the, the greatest filmmakers to do that is um, Mike Lee. His films tend to have a catch in the middle, and you realize, oh, this movie is not what I thought it was, but it's, but it's been invisibly happening underneath you. And I think... Um, I, I, the movie's funny, and I wanted it to be funny. I wanted it to, to be an enjoyable experience, but I, I kind of wanted it to be halfway through. You think, oh, no, this is actually very sad. And I think right. I described it um, as, if you've ever heard a pop song that's really fun to sing along to and really great, upbeat song, and then you hear it covered by someone else and it's slowed down, and all of a sudden you can hear the lyrics and you think, <laughs> Oh no, that song's tragic. That's a tragic That's a song. song. about suicide. Yeah, yeah. I, th I was just bopping along to it. And right. I think I wanted the film to sort of have this bopping along quality that then you realize when you slow it down, no, it's, it, it's the same tune, but actually this is sad. And I wanted it to be that we were following this girl and then realize, but this is just as much her mother's story. So with Lori, um, she just, I, I mean, I... I can't say enough about it. I mean, I, I, I love her so much, and I can't even fathom her talent. I, I felt like I would sit 
I would always, she was so quiet and she was so just ready to work. And I'd always say, I'd say, oh, we're ready to shoot, where's Lori? And she'd be right behind me. And she'd say, I'm right here. <laughs> and I'd go, oh, God. She's like stealth. Yeah, she's stealth. Or she'd be sitting in, the, in a dark corner, just ready to go. Um, and she's the fastest changer I've ever worked with. It's because she does so much theater. She'd just go into her trailer and, like, she was, she's better than Superman. Um, and, uh, and she, and, she had this, uh, I mean, she could, I could give her the most specific note and she would look at me and she'd nod, say, okay. Then she'd go to her place and then she would, everything would go across her face that I had just described or said. And it almost became my, my first AD had to like have a catchphrase with me and he's like, you're falling down the lorry tunnel, which meant like, we got it and now you're just seeing what she can do <laughs> and it, because it was She's so like a really fast car you want to just keep driving it. yeah yeah you want to open her up you're like i've got to <laughs> i gotta take her how, how fast does this thing go um but i felt like for me it was on the page and i don't do improv i don't do any improvisation and the script stays really set but um as soon as i had her it was it was a magical thing that happens once you have an actor she brought every nuance that I could ever dream in it. It's like this, this, this pain, but also this great love and this big heart and this inability to express to her daughter how she feels. And, 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 and she had all of it in every moment. And it, and it just, I, 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 I think she's, I hope she gets so many prizes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, best, best supporting actress nominee. That's just from I my really, mouth. I really, yes. You, you, you <laughs> yeah, say from it. my mouth too. I, I won't let you. Uh, and also, what's interesting about it when you talk about this, this stealth, this, this like a Mike Lee movie, is that she's trapped. Mm. That she's, she's the one who makes everything move, and yet she's trapped. Mm. Yeah. Do you agree or? Yeah, well, I mean, she's, she's. She's, I mean, she's a complicated, I mean, she's such a, she's such a complicated but beautiful character. I think she's, she's, I, I, I wanted to keep reminding the audience, like, parents are, are people who had their own dreams. Right. <laughs> and they're people who have their own frustrations and their own, their own childhoods and their own things that could be different. And even just, like, one or two lines of, like, of, of her saying, well, my mother was an abusive alcoholic. And the way she says it, and with one line, you're like, oh my God, I know everything right. about you. That, that what you've given your daughter is so much more than what you had. And you'll, and, and it just makes her a person. Um, but I think, you know, it's funny you use the word trapped because we have, we, early in the movie, she does this drive home after she gets off the night shift. And, the stage directions said um, she has, it said, I think I wrote, um, she has an enormous capacity to love this place she's from when she's not resenting the, the stuckness, I think I used, of her own life. Right. And that she loves it. And um, I think there is a way in which she feels stuck financially and also just emotionally. Um, with her daughter um, and with her husband, and with her husband, but then also 
she does have this enormous capacity to love it, and that's all over Lori's face when she's looking and, and seeing what, what this actually beautiful city is. How much of your own experience as an actress do you use when you're dealing with actresses? Or actors, yeah. excuse me. Um, I, I think for me, being an actor, I, I, it, brings, it brings everything to how I approach directing. I didn't go to film school, I went to liberal arts college, so really, I, I learned by doing, and um, I, knew, I knew I wanted to direct, I knew I wanted to write and direct, but... When did, when did you first know that? Probably when I was five and I tried to organize a class production of Gypsy, <laughs> which turned out to be inappropriate. Um, <laughs> I wonder why. But, um, but I, but I, did, but I, I, I mean, you know, there's, probably myriad reasons why I felt I needed all this experience, but um, I think one of them was I, I love films and I love cinema and I really didn't want to disrespect the form by, by not knowing what I was, what I was doing. So um, I, as an actor and as a, a, a writer and a co-writer and I produced and I edited and I held the boom and I did almost everything you can do on a film set. Um, to get this experience in. And then when I finished this draft, I was like, okay, this is, I gotta, this is gonna be the one. And um, I think I see, because I've spent so much time as, a, as an actor, I, I've seen so many different directors on sets, and I think most directors only ever are on their own set. They don't actually know how anybody else does it. And I've seen so many different ways of working with crew and actors and department heads, and. I felt like I, the biggest thing I think a director can do is create a, um, is, is to create almost a bubble of magic safety for their actors and for their department heads and hold a perimeter so that they feel safe to play and bring their whole selves. And also with the actors that they feel that they own those roles. That, that at the minute that we start rehearsing, they know more than I do. I do not hold a secret key of who the person is. They do. They, they, they should have their own, they, they can take it into themselves so they become the guardian um, of the person. And even to the point of like, I had the way my actors worked with my costume designer, um, I, I had them build wardrobes instead of costuming each scene because I wanted them to be able to say, because it goes over a year, I wanted Saoirse to be able to say, I think this is what she would wear on, so on this scene. So they had like a rack? Yeah, they had a whole, they're like, this is what's in her closet. Okay. So what, is, what does she want to wear today? And I mean, have I- Have you seen, has that been on other sets that you know, Sid, or was it just something that you innovated? That's actually something I, I innovated. Cool, um, man. A what? Cool. Cool, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but I, I, I think, I think the thing that you don't want actors to feel is that they that, that they don't that they, they feel like they always have to look to you for permission because I think that limits the work that they can do and I think when they feel like no it's mine and I understand it they it, it's like it, it opens up um, and I, I think that's and presumably cool. then they interact with each other and it becomes something bigger yes and I always wanted them to have secrets 
from me with each other. I also feel like I wanted them to have their own little things that they knew and that they came up with and that were their, their codes with each other because the truth is I'm not in the make-believe make world with them. I'm, I'm, I'm capturing it, so. What would be an example? Oh, well, Beanie and um, Beanie Feldstein, who plays um, Julie, Ladybird's best friend, and um, Sertia, they decided that they wanted to wear the exact same color nail polish the whole movie, even when they weren't friends. Um, and th that was theirs. They created that little thing. And there's other secrets that I don't know about, right? <laughs> um, because they're secrets. They're secrets, yeah. <laughs> um, and. Uh, yeah, and also just, I, I'm also with, with actors, I, I, they also making them feel like they can't embarrass themselves. So this I stole from Mike Mills. I would do dance parties um, to get them to feel foolish so that it was just out of the way. Well, that um, was like in 20th century women. Yes, you, that's you right. You told me, what, what, what did, he gave you all this, these girl bands, right? Yes, he gave me all these girl bands. And he would have me and Billy Crudup and Annette Bening and Elle Fanning and Lucas Jade Zinneman, who was the, the young boy, he would have us do these really awkward dance parties in his basement. <laughs> um, so one of the first rehearsals I had, Lucas and Sersh, um, I think I had them dance to like Blink 182. And, 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 and it did, but it did just make them feel unembarrassed of their bodies and their impulses and, um, yeah, it, it just opened it up. I didn't make Tracy Lutz dance. <laughs> no. I'm not surprised. <laughs> he is he's someone, he's like um, a single flavor. Like, he'll go along, but he is himself, right? Yeah, I, I, I absolutely adore him. Yeah. <laughs> and he's very protective. Oh, yes, he is. He's, um, he, he's also, he's, he's so kind, but he is... He does, I think he, he, he is intimidating. He would always say, if I gave him a note, he'd say, I understand. Yeah. <laughs> and there was like a way at the end, Rosa. Are you gonna do it? Or <laughs> and then he, he always would. Um, but he's, he's, he's such a, I mean, obviously he's, he's one of our great playwrights. I also felt in the course of making this film, at some point I had Tracy, Tracy Letts, Lois Smith, Stephen McKinley Henderson, and Laurie Metcalf, and I was like, nothing better happened to them because this is the brain trust of the American theater. <laughs> like, <laughs> I gotta keep them safe. Yeah, um, exactly. But I think, you know, he's such a great writer, but he's also an incredible actor. And, I, you know, the, for me to see those two things go together, it, it's just, it, it's, he brings his intelligence as a writer, and then he's also, has, he has what all actors have, which is an enormous empathy machine inside. And there's kind of nothing sadder than seeing him play solitaire on the computer. There's like one of those, I know. like such, such a simple thing and he doesn't overplay it and he doesn't, you know. Yeah, I know, He's, he has so many good small things. Like he also, I feel like when they start fighting his, his wife and daughter, I think he just wants to go somewhere else because he loves them both and he does it. He did so painful to watch them fight. Right. So he just kind of leaves the room. Having been through that, I know that the, the women, the mother and daughter, don't realize that they're like wired to do it. No. They ha and yeah. someone on the outside totally sees how they both create it. Yeah. Yeah. But inside you don't. It was so, when I was, when I was actually um, raising, trying to get producers and raise money to make the film, um, I had a number of men. It, well, if men had 
daughters, they totally got it. They were like, yep, this is my, this is my wife and my daughter. I get it. <laughs> and if they, grew, if they grew up with sisters. And also, you think you won't be that mother. And That's the frustration that Laurie Metcalf has. It's like, I didn't want to be this human. And if they had, yeah, and if they were raised with sisters, they were like, that was my sister and my mother. Right. But if they didn't have either of those things, they had this like, do women really fight like this? And I was like, oh yes, because how would you know? You have no idea what we do when you're not there. Um, and it was this kind of, they were like horrified. They were like, this is really upsetting. And I was like, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's like every single woman's gone through it. Exactly. And then it's interesting you cast Saoirse, Saoirse I, I hate this, Saoirse Ronan. Saoirse, 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 I'm always, I call her Saoirse. Saoirse, Saoirse. okay, easy. Yeah. And this is an actress who's so young but has just, you know, Brooklyn, like every performance. Yeah. Um, a, I want to say atonement, atonement, not yeah. a, you know, just, and she, and then she comes in and she's completely fresh. I mean, it's amazing to me every time I watch the movie. She's so good in it that you can't believe that that's not who she is. That's not her accent. That's not how she looks. That's not how she walks. That's not how she presents herself. And it's so lived in that it feels like I just went and found this girl. On you know, it's 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 right. an extraordinary transformation, and and a true transformation. It's not it's not just a. The external. She kind of, she's a real inside-out kind of actor, and um, she has the quality of being of being. Uh, she's an, she's a technician, but she's also plugged into some lifeline that's uh, not that's that's sort of beyond her control, which is so exciting as a director because she has both. She can give you the raw thing that feels like it's just welling up from inside of her. And then she also has this very fine-tuned like technique that she can... Well, can you give me an example? Because I don't really understand that idea of tech, like... Technique? Exactly. Yeah. Like a, because we've talked before, and you talked about um, comparing, like, um, Julianne Moore it's, and Annette Bening. Yeah. They were, yeah you know, and it was a great, a great comparison. You know, actually, it's interesting. Julianne Moore... It, I, I've <laughs> I've worked with I've had the opportunity to work with some just amazing actresses and Julianne Moore the way Julianne works is similar to the way Saoirse works it, they're, they're they're different but they're it's this it's this it's almost like a looseness even in between takes that it they're kind of keeping it light uh, on the surface and but underneath it's all it's all being worked out so that when you call action they're completely in it but and when you call cut they they exit and it, it, almost instantly and it's I, I don't have that ability I'm not that kind of actor if I if I have an emotional scene I'm wrecked wrecked for like weeks and they and they can just float in and out of it but it's I almost think that they keep it light because it's what gives them the ability to, to do the work almost invisibly. I, I, but I can't take it apart because I, I don't know. They, didn't, they don't tell me, but... Right. <laughs> <laughs> they just do they it. They just do it. But they do, ha like, they do have this detail-oriented... You can give them notes that are so just, you, you know, little things. Like. And, like, can you... Like, for example, uh, I'm trying to think of a precise line, but um, 
like when Sersh is meeting with um, a guidance counselor and she's like, okay, so you're gonna be applying to UCs and state schools. And she says, yeah, but also those East Coast schools like Yale, but not Yale because I probably couldn't get in. Um, I, she, you know, we did it and then I said, I said to her, oh, I want you to have um, like an edge of annoyance, but you're not gonna give in to it because this person holds power and it, the sort of insistence of, this is what I really want, remember? And she was like, mm-hmm, and then she did just that. And, I, and it's such a little, it's such a shading thing. She can shade in one direction or another with such just carefulness. And you were saying, I just want you to talk about Annette Benning because, yeah. you, and then we're going to go back, and I want to talk about the female director issue, but sure, because you talk because you work together in 20th century, and you, mm -hmm. you said that there were so many, there were so, like every every take, she was different. Yes, she was. She was. I I, I mean, when I was in scenes with Annette. I mean, I'm in love with her, so it's a little hard to <laughs> talk about it. I would, I mean, I had, I had this problem all the time as an actor, actually. I would, um, which is one of the reasons I knew I should be a director, is when I was working with a great actor and they, they would act next to me, I would zone out and just watch them. And then I'd be like, oh, no, no, it's your turn. And then I, was like, <laughs> I was like, oh, you should be behind the camera. Um, because it, it was intoxicating. Um, but she, she uh, to me, I mean, but again, I don't know, the, the movie I was with, I worked with her on 20th Century Women, I had a feeling of every time I was in a scene with her, it was like being in the presence of um, a, 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 a creature, or a, a, almost like a, an animal. Like, it was very instinctive. And it was very, it was alive at every moment. And it didn't seem like she was trying to micromanage it or control it or edit her own performance in the doing of it. It was just utterly different and alive every take. And, I, I, and, it, and, and, and she didn't have the popping out of it thing. And she's also a genius, so it's just, there's different ways to do it. But she would stay in it in between and then whatever the next take was, would she, it wasn't like, and now we act. It was living the whole time. Fascinating. Yeah. Now, um, going on to, pivoting on to this other subject, here you are, this is the first movie you've ever directed. Now you've written movies before, you've co-written movies, you've starred in movies, but here we're at this moment, suddenly, where we've wanted women directors for so long, and there are, there, you're, you're like, I would hope, perfectly placed. Do you feel like there's a dam bursting or there's a change coming? Are there more offers on the table? What's going on? Um, well, I, I, I want to just say I'm so honored to be at this festival. And also, there are, so, they, there are I think, a third of the films or are by women, which mm -hmm. is the record, which is incredible and um, and intentional. Thank you. And intentional, yeah. and um, the same was true at the Toronto Film Festival, right. which I, I, I think. I mean, I have a, I have a lot of thoughts on this. Um, well, where would you begin? I, I would begin with. Um, I watched uh, the. Great, the Steven Spielberg documentary here the other night, and I loved it, and I loved, it made me so emotional, and his 
career and all the dreams that he's given us. And I was thinking about how he, he a lot of it was talking about how when he was young and he would he snuck onto the lot and mm -hmm. the, the the kind of the lore of him and uh, and how for me the, the very first film I fell in love with um, that made me understand cinema was uh, Claire Denis' Beau Travail. and I didn't know that it was directed by a woman until the end. I didn't know what it was and. When I saw her name come up, I thought, I think that's a very strange man's name, or that's a, <laughs> that's a lady name. And, and, but I had already, I fell in love with the form before I knew it was a woman, and I, and I had to connect it, it like, there's something about that, that it's like, you need to have examples that you can dream towards. It's very hard to create a dream without examples, and, and, you know, for me, for Spielberg was talking about the, the David Lean's Lawrence of Arabia, which is right. incredible. Obviously, this is the Lawrence of the of Arabia, and for me, because it was Claire Denis, I felt like there was a, a a spark in me of like, oh, that's a job you can have. It's you a thing aspire, you can do. Yeah. You can aspire to do this, and um, I I think that's why it's so important that places like New York Film Festival in Toronto make a real concerted effort to to have so many women because I want young women right now to, to see this and make their own dreams for themselves and to have examples. Um, uh, and also, I, I mean, I, I'm interested in seeing how, what we have to say cinematically um, in a form that has been not represented by, by women historically. <laughs> As a critic, we certainly have, it's been a long time coming and a lot of women kind of beating on the door for a long time saying, hey, let us in, hey, yeah. let us in, hey, let us in. Yeah. So it's super important also to have that reverberation of women getting to see these stories. Yeah, I mean, I had, a, I, I mean, I, I mean, of, of the many references my cinematographer and I looked at um, while making this movie, uh, one of my favorite movies is um, uh, Jean Dielman by Chantal Ackerman. And she, I love, that I, love, I love it so much. And I've never, I've never cried harder, I think, than, it, because of the way, I, I don't know how many people have seen this movie, but you should, um, and see it in a movie theater. Um, uh, but yeah, well, no, I mean, it's a very different experience to see it because you're, you, you are absolutely beholden to her pace when you are in a movie theater. You can't turn it off, you can't answer your phone. And you've watched this woman go through the domestic rituals of her day and her making dinner and her cleaning and, and, and cleaning the tub and wa washing and opening the fold-out bed that her son sleeps on. And you watch these details and when, and because you've spent all this time watching these domestic tasks, 
after she has a, a traumatic, you think, event, maybe she works as a, a prostitute, but it, she does it very orderly. Um, uh, and when you see all those domestic tasks again, there's one shot of her, and you've seen her do the dishes before, and she puts a dish in the, the, dish, the drying rack, and it has a little bit of soap scum still on it. And, and I burst into tears because I was like, she's, cra she's cracking, she's cracking. And that's how you know this woman is cracking because you've seen her do all these domestic tasks. And she and Shanta Ackerman talked about the fact that women doing housework is the lowest, the <laughs> lowest image of cinematic images. Uh, that we value watching a woman get raped more than we watch value her doing making dinner. And that what if you built an entire movie uh, that had the time of domestic tasks. And I, I, when we were talking about making this film, we, we, I mean, now I'm gonna tell you, but the only people who would know would be us, but there's a very quick shot of Marion sewing the dress that they found at the thrift store for right. her daughter. And we've, I said, let's frame it like Jean Dielman, let's frame it flat and frank and uh, even the lighting, we looked right. at the frame and we were like, okay, let's do that. And um, it was my own in internal tip of the hat to what she had done with that film. Thank you. Okay, so this is, we're gonna do Q&A and people who have questions, you need to take a microphone because this is being taped. And two other things, the movie comes out November 3rd Right. And when we're done, everybody please stay seated so that we can walk out. <laughs> <laughs> and question? question. Uh, Hold on, but we need to get you a microphone. Yes. Hi. Um, I saw the film yesterday and I thought it was totally brilliant. And... Um, the two actors that play Saoirse's uh, boyfriends, um, Lucas Hedges and Timothy Chalamet, I thought were remarkable, and I was wondering if you could talk about how you went about casting them. Sure. And um, they're both hot. Oh, hot. I mean, they're hot as, I mean, they're hot, they're hot physically, but they're also hot right now as actors. <laughs> no, they're both. hot. They go both. They're hot. I actually do as a, as a, Maybe one of the benefits of the of a female director is when when Sersh I'd already cast Sersha and then when I introduced her to Timmy and to Lucas she was like, well you know who's who's cute <laughs> and I was like yeah she was like male directors always pick the wrong people. <laughs> that's, that's a great. Like, well, that's I great. mean. Uh, I had, so I had seen, I saw Lucas in Manchester at, by the sea at Sundance. Um, I did, I'd, I'd been there in uh, January and I'd seen him. I think it was one of those 9 a.m. screenings at Sundance and I was, and I just fell in love with right. him. He's I just fantastic fell in, in love. I thought he was so wonderful. And um, we met, he was still in college. Um, I mean, he was still, he was, he's so young, he's like 20, but he was in acting school. He was at um, North Carolina School of the Arts and he wasn't sure if he was gonna go back to school or not and he wasn't sure, but he, he I, I gave him the script and I said, I, you know, Please? I, I'd love you to do this and I'm so, 
I, 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 as soon as I saw him, I couldn't imagine anyone else's Danny. And he was just, he's, he's just, he's such a lovely human being and so talented and so young. I mean, these, all these kids are, it's, it's incredible. And then with Timothy, I saw him in a play. I saw him in um, John Patrick Shanley's Prodigal Son. And he hadn't yet done um, Call Me By Your Name, and I didn't, I didn't know, I, I didn't watch Homeland, so I didn't know him from that. He was also on Homeland, but he was so electric on stage. He was like, he was a firecracker, and actually, one of my best friends at Barnard College, her mother is the head of the drama department at LaGuardia High School, and he <laughs> went to LaGuardia, and she said he's just beyond talented and you like if you get the chance to you know he's great so i met with him and he uh and he, he, was he, he was on he was on board so both of them they were the both the first two people i went to and they both said yes and and they're both like apparently really good kissers <laughs> <laughs> rumor has it um was there someone up there who has a question there's a woman down here Wearing her Greta Gerwig t-shirt. Awesome. Hi, Greta. Hi. <laughs> I haven't seen the film yet. I'm seeing it later tonight. Oh, I'll um, see you again. Yeah. But my question is, um, what were some of the challenges you faced as a director? Oh, uh, I mean, thank you. As a, so there, I would say like every movie, every, every, Every step of the way is a challenge as when you're making ind independent films or really any film because because the film always feels like it's on the verge of not happening and, and all the way through the end of of editing like it, it it always feels like oh this could all this could all go away um, there were lots of challenges but I can't I I mean I don't know what how to but I think that's just inherent in filmmaking, is um, every day it seems like, well, how are we ever gonna get through this day? And um, I mean, there's specific things like locations falling through at the last minute or you know, something you thought was set turns out not to be set and then you have to make it up at the last minute, but I think that's just movie making. I don't think it ever goes smoothly. I've never known, I've never known a film that just everything, uh, came together perfectly. But what I will say is that being a director is part of your job is to never uh, let it show to, to your actors or the people around you because if you lose faith, it, the whole operation crumbles. So you kind of have to develop a very, a very clear vision for where you're going and manifest it. There's actually, um, there's a, the French word for director, the uh, realisateur, so fancy. Um, but I think that that's actually a, a good term for director because director, the, even the word implies like it's all in front of you and you're just directing it around. Um, but the realizer, to, to, to realize something, to make something exist that does not exist is a very different task. And I think it's a closer approximation of the job. So it's always hard and I think it always will be. <laughs> How are we on time? One? Should we go one more? Over here, this gentleman down here. Uh, fantastic film. I, Thank you. Fantastic.
fantastic. Um, you talk about the emotional arc of the film coming of age and letting go, and it's kind of an inversion or uh, almost a car crash. Um, and it reminded me, of course, of Merrily We Roll Along, which plays a big yes. role in the, in the film. Could you talk about, which also has an inverted structure. Could you talk about that? Yeah. Um, well, thank you. Uh, yes, I'm so, I love Merrily We Roll Along. It's, it, I, it's a Sondheim musical. Um, it was actually a Sondheim flop. Um, right. sa uh, sadly, it's, it's, it's isn't there? A, there's a movie on Netflix yes, right now yeah. about the uh, flop uh, and how it impacted the various people who were in it. Yeah, it's 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 brilliant though. And I've always, I didn't do that musical. So many people have asked me, "Oh, did you do that musical while you were in high school?" And I said, "No. What high school would ever <laughs> let you do that musical?" Um, and actually, I've met since then. I've met some people who say my high school did let us do it. <laughs> I was like, "Why? <laughs> it's all about alcoholism and divorce." Um, but, but it's as are the best musicals. As all, they're, they're the best. But it's it's a story. It's told in reverse. So it's about three best friends, um, and you start with them when they're. Also, this is, I mean, it was in the 70s, so in their, I think they're in their 40s when the play begins, which, like, apparently it's like life's over. <laughs> Ask Lori Metcalf. Yeah. And um, then it works its way back in time to when they're um, 18 years old and graduating from high school and they're watching the, the launch of the Sputnik on top of the, uh, their roof and they're, they're singing about, like, all these things they're gonna do and their, their lives that they're gonna have and how exciting it's gonna be. But it's this tragic feeling because you know everything that's gonna happen and then you at the, at the very end you're like, oh, it's gonna be so much worse than you think. <laughs> um, but it's also, it's achingly beautiful and it has, so it has this central, I, that's I, another thing that made me cry and cry and cry. There was something about it, even the, the like, the, the, they have this interstitial song that like yesterday is gone, see the pretty sun countryside, just guts me. There's something about the relentlessness of time um, that it just keeps moving. And, and so I felt like it had these themes that I wanted, I wanted, to, that I wanted to play with. And um, it, 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 I was so lucky that via Scott Rudin, who was my producer, has worked with Stephen Sondheim and he, he said, I think he said, because I, I had written Merrily We Roll Along into the script, but I had no idea of how I was going to get Stephen Sondheim to, to, to give his permission, and then Scott Rudin said, oh, I'll call Stephen. <laughs> and I was like, oh, well, I'll just, can I listen? <laughs> but uh, he was very, very generous and um, allowed us to use it. So um, I'm so I'm so glad it's in the film. And and it was I would say actually to go back to the challenge, explaining to um, the line producer how I was going to make a musical in the middle of this movie, that was challenging. But I said I had my best friend from Sacramento who taught drama at a high school come down to where we were shooting and preparing in LA. And I said, give me and my best friend six hours. He makes high school musicals all the time. Just give us these kids and we'll make you a musical. And um, we did. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds wonderful. Well, thank you very much. Thank you. The Close-Up from the Film Society Blinken Center is produced by Michael Odemark. 
Our opening music is by Steelism. You can subscribe to The Close-Up on iTunes and Stitcher. The Film Society of Lincoln Center is a nonprofit arts organization based in New York City, supported by individuals just like you. Founded in 1969 to celebrate American and international cinema, the Film Society presents year-round programming recognizing established and emerging filmmakers, supporting important new work, and enhancing awareness, accessibility, and understanding of the moving image. To learn more about what we do and support the Film Society by becoming a member, visit filmlink.org, F-I-L-M-L-A-N-C.org. The Film Society of Lincoln Center. Film lives here.